0: Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your round four reaction pod to the U.S. Open. We're breaking it all down and joining me this evening. Mark Immelman is here. Mark I turned off the Falcons game when they were up twenty-eight to ten. I assume they won that, right? Wow,
1: is that how you greet me? <laughs> That's unreal. Downright right, nice. You know what, Rick? I used to like you. <laughs> and am I in a bad rough. mood? Heck, yes, I'm in a bad mood.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I haven't I haven't had a chance to talk to you in a while, Mark. It's good to have you back. Um, Greg Ducharm is here. Greg, what up, Greg?
2: What a weekend! What, I mean, what a tournament! It was uh, incredibly exciting, and boy, uh, I was wrong on Bryson.
0: Hold on, hold, hold 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 that thought for one moment. Kyle Porter, Mark, you're not the only one who's gonna get uh, railroaded on this podcast. Okay, don't don't worry about that. Kyle Porter is here. Kyle, say hello so everyone knows your voice throughout the podcast. Uh,
3: Greg, you were wrong <laughs> about Bryson. I was the most wrong about yes. Bryson. <laughs> yep, I'll All give right, you that one. We're
0: gonna we're gonna fly back to Tuesday's pod and and get all of our really hot takes on Bryson DeChambeau. Uh,
3: can I get y'all's picks? One uh, guy in the top twenty who definitely will not win. <laughs> this, is a, this is a no laying up special. They always pick somebody who de- like they are guaranteeing will not win the tournament. Yeah. And two, uh, most likely to go full Zach Johnson and <laughs> and say that the USGA has lost. Wingfoot, foot well, we've lost the course
0: oh okay so i'll greg i'll 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 take the first one is bryson bryson's the guy who's not winning this thing
3: my answer for both is actually bryson
0: <laughs> actually yeah that might be true
2: all right i'm gonna clean sweep it i'm gonna completely agree i i completely agree i think it might be true be yeah more.
3: how about it's t- that it's a tough look yeah it's not i would I, I would I would like to point out that uh, Rick led it, like Rick jumped off the ledge first and led <laughs> everyone else off the ledge. I was already going to go there. I the reason I asked it is so I could bring up Bryson, who we had not really talked about that much. Um, I was wrong. I mean, look, like it it worked. What what he is doing uh, worked throughout the week. His short game was unbelievable. We can talk more about kind of the USGA and the setup and equipment and all that stuff, but I was dead wrong about uh, Bryson's ability to win a U.S. Open, especially at Wingfoot. Bryson
0: DeChambeau wins the U.S. Open by six strokes. He is the only golfer under par. He shoots the only under par round on Sunday, which was a 67, and he did it from the final group.
1: So, Mark, we'll start here with you. How impressive was this? Hey, before I answer that question, I want to know do people download this podcast for insights and stuff? Listen, not not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, glad to know y'all. Um, no, it was. I, I want to use the term validation because uh, a ways back he prof- he he professed what he was going to do, and think of all the detractors, think of all of the naysayers, think think of all the criticism and the headwind this guy has faced. Now, did he do one or two things that that got you know drew the eye of some folks on social media absolutely because with what he started doing he started gaining more and more airtime. and then when you're busting at 3 20 40 in the air you're going to get cameras on you and then he's complaining about ants here and there, there's there, there were one or two odd occasions that were on the edge but what he's done i mean what he did today was special okay but what he did last night saturday night that is he goes out there and he's basically working in the dark under lights because he just had so much desire to hit the driver well and basically drop the hammer on the field that that speaks to just a different level of dedication i've worked with top flight golfers major champions and i can't think of anyone that i've ever seen on the range in the dark under lights after the third round leading into the final round of a major championship so what he did today was special, but I've always firmly believed that you know, you lay the groundwork for that sort of stuff before the time, and he has over the last year or so, and it's been, it's been fun to watch. It's been amusing to watch. It's been eye-popping to watch, and today we got to watch a bona fide genius do his thing, and he just, he dropped, he just dropped the load on the field, and, and he did his deal. He stuck to his plan. He putted beautifully as Kyle pointed out, but he just, he, he was just true to himself. And I respect that immensely.
2: What do you think we would have said if, uh, if that were how Tong Lee practicing under the lights? Oh, well we did flashback to six weeks ago. What did we say when he practiced
0: for six hours after? his <laughs> <run>? <laughs> that,
2: that can't be good.
1: <laughs> but that's the thing you see that. And you know, it, Greg, you all know it. You've all played sport at a high level. You know, you've got to do what you've got to do. and, and, with Bryson DeChambeau, the times I've covered him on the golf course, you can sense this guy's desire. I mean, it just oozes out of him, out of every pore. And, and you sense the fact that he wants to beat you. And you sense the fact that he is going to do whatever it takes to achieve his goals. And he's proved that. Now, and now he's validated.
0: I, I want to talk a little bit about this from a, a style angle, Greg, because for a guy who wants to be a robot and he wants to be a machine – I thought we saw a side of Bryson DeChambeau this week that was creative, that was a little bit of the artist, that was a little bit of, you know, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was incredibly impressive and well-rounded uh, the way he was able
2: to accomplish this. It was really well-rounded. I mean, you, you think of him as a, well, I, I guess the best way to say it is you think of of his style, his approach, as something that doesn't take any Uh, any mental strength in that it doesn't take smarts to play with that tact. You just wail away at it as hard as you can go find it and hit it again. But if you look at what Bryson did today, he continued, he made the round look really easy early um, at least until it, it was, it was over. And even after then he made it easy. He made the golf course play very simply. Think about the shot he hit on four. That just, that was the one that was the most creative to me but even three he leaves it short right and he hits a great pitch shot but he's got green to work with he has the angle to work with so there's no real trouble there's no sense of um okay this is going to be a a problem and you go through the rest of the round until you get I mean the one that sticks out to me the most is what he does on 11 it's driver on 11 but then leaves his pitch shot under the hole which surprised him but still it's under the hole it's easy it's stress-free even though he drove it to the edge of a bunker somewhere, a bunker that everybody was kind of fearful of, and everybody's trying to avoid laying way back with iron. He hits driver up there and gains a significant advantage because now he has, what, a 40, like a 40 or 50-yard shot out of the rough. All of a sudden, the rough isn't a penalty anymore. So it, it's a hit this strategy is well thought out, and it's something that has a lot of wit to it. It, it is a... Um, a, a very smart strategy. And then it takes all the work that Mark has mentioned, takes all that work and effort to be able to employ this strategy because that is very underrated and not very easy to do.
0: The strategy and the style of this, Kyle, I think you were kind of getting into this a little bit on HQ a few minutes ago. Uh, I think you used the word inflection point. You know, are we at an inflection point? Is the modern game, I mean, Matthew Wolf, Bryson D. Chambeau in the final pairing at a US Open is is this where we're headed or is Bryson different?
3: Yeah, I, I think it is an inflection point in golf history. And that sounds crazy. And it might not be, uh, obviously I've been wrong about many takes this week, but what, the, the, what I mean by that is Bryson has eliminated essentially one part of the game. So you think about, okay, how do you, how do you play golf? Well, well you, you drive it. Well, you hit, your long irons really well. You have a great short game or great wedges uh, and then you put it really well. So those are sort of your four, I mean, we call them strokes, gain categories. They're, you know, you can pull out. It's a little bit more broad than that probably, but he's eliminated the, the long, how many times you see Bryson with a five iron in his hand this week? That wasn't, that wasn't a par three never. And so he's, he's essentially eliminated this one aspect of the game which is great, great for him. I mean, he has leveraged all the tools. I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum over the last few months. Of like, he like he's doing things that nobody else is dedicated enough to their craft to do. I mean, again, which of us would gain forty pounds to become two percent better at our job? N- nobody. I'm not doing that. You're not doing that. Mm-hmm. And so that's a credit to to his dedication, like Mark was talking about. But I also think it's an inflection point in golf history because the USGA and and people that are like over this stuff are going to have to say, okay, is this what we want? Not to go full Nick Saban, but is this what we want golf to be? Do we want to go, do we want to be able to go to Marion again? Do we want the US Open to just be a driver wedge into every hole? And I don't think we do because it'll, again, it eliminates one of the great skills uh, in the sport, um, but I do think we th- th- we'll look back on Bryson at Wingfoot and say, okay, that was the moment where it kind of became a bigger issue.
0: We're going to get a lot of this is this always starts the cycle something like this Mark we're going to get a lot of conversations about equipment and we're gonna get a lot of conversations about golf course setup, and we're going to have a lot of conversations about if rough matters and does it have to be firm and fast like, I don't know what the answer I don't know I don't know what the questions are and I don't know what the answers to the questions are but golf is definitely headed in a direction where we're gonna to have to have these conversations.
1: Well, certainly. I mean, and, and one of Carl Porter's best friends, Gary Player, said to me a few years ago, <laughs> he said, he goes, Mark, I need you to imagine for a little while, and this is God is my witness. He said to me, imagine when guys like LeBron James start taking up golf. Yeah. And, and, and that's what we've seen out of Bryson DeChambeau. Now, now, is it going to kind of ruin fields a little bit? I don't know. I, I, I don't know the future. Will some of the great golf courses still be able to use Absolutely. Well, look at the thing over here, right? If it's not for Bryson who wins by six this week, we've got a very competitive tournament. So so until everyone is like that, I still feel, because if you look down this leaderboard here, you've got a mix of power, the final guys, Rory's up there, but then you've got Zach Johnson, you've got Xander Shaffley, who's longish, I mean, he's, no, he's not massive. And you've got some guys in there that were also games built on being sort of significantly long, but also using the different departments of the game. So, so I believe because we've seen this before, you know, when Nicholas came out, he was hugely longer than everybody else. You know, when Tiger came out, he was hugely longer than, than everybody else, but Tiger parlayed that into success. And then we've had a number of guys with all this power. So what Brasson's been able to do, and, and look, he's got one major now, and what, I don't know how many PGA Tour victories. Seven? Okay.
0: Is that sound right? Six?
1: Six. That, that is a tremendous, Six. tremendous career. But to me, it starts really becoming a thing when you see like Augusta National did with Tiger. They started Tiger-proofing the place because they saw the writing on the wall because you, you sort of see if, if Tiger's coming along, the next generation of players is going to do the same thing. Now, the next generation of players that have been watching Bryson in this proliferation, I can tell you from college, I'm seeing them all. They are longer and more powerful. But the truth is you still need to get the ball into the hole. And if you watch Bryson this last week, he bashed driver everywhere, but man, he made some crucial saves. He kept the rounds alive. The, the first six holes he played in the final round were masterful. You know, he, he, he took on holes. He had some good quality irons, but he made some saves and he got through there and under par. And that, just was, that, that wasn't just born on hitting the thing 340 off the tee and getting a wedge in his hand. If you're not, do, do, does that make sense? What I'm trying to say. I
3: I I I agree with you, and I I don't think it means that Bryson's going to win every tournament, and I don't think it means that you're. I, I think it still means you're going to have great leaderboards. I just think it, you're you're going down a road right now with what Bryson has has done and what other college golfers and 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 younger guys are going to do, where you're eliminating one of the great skills of the game, which is hitting long irons, and we've been seeing this for a long time now. This this isn't necessarily new it's just getting to, I think, sort of a tipping point of like, okay, that's, that's fine if we want to do that, but is that what we actually want to do? Because that is such, that's always been like the skill of golf is can you hit six iron? Can you hit five iron? Can you hit four iron? All, all these different clubs into these great, uh, or, or excuse me, at these great venues. And we're, we're sort of, we're seeing, I think right now, the erasure of, of that particular skill.
1: Yeah, I certainly will concede that. But then if you sort of look through averages, and I don't have the numbers to back this up. I need someone to help me. But you're going to hit three and four irons probably two or three times a day. Um, You're going to hit sixes and seven irons, you know, a couple more times. But all of these guys, if you look at, um, there's a number in shot link statistics which talks about average distance of approach shot. And if you watch this, these guys are jiving between like 185 to about 165 every week. Now, as Bryson shortened that? He's maybe made that from about 165 to 145. He hasn't clipped this entirely in half. What I've seen though is, you know, the power to be able to hit, hit a wedge from 150, that's a big deal where everyone else would be, or 160 even with Bryson. That's where I think the thing is. You know, not only is the power with a driver a big deal, but he's got these irons that just go a ton as well. So, so yes, the long irons being taken out, but he still uses long irons once in a while. Uh, but, but I still do admit, uh, and I will concede that, you know, it's the, the long iron is becoming obsolete. But you can make the point that when the invention of the hybrid club came along, the long iron was essentially obsolete back then, and only a handful of players still use blade, you know, real time long irons.
2: Um so Mark on that on that point too um I don't know if you've ever looked at a club from like the 19 uh say 1950s but I saw a hickory shafted five. That's iron. what
3: Mark played with growing up, isn't it? <laughs> Mark had a few sets of. Rick home. saw that coming. From yeah, that was mile. so easy.
2: <laughs> if uh, so, if, if you take a look at a five iron with a hickory shaft from I, I don't know, say the say the fifties. I don't know exactly what the date is on the one that I looked at, but I compared that to a club of today, and the loft and the length of the club is exactly what an eight iron is of today. You look at the shot that uh, Ben Hogan hit at Marion on the 18th hole, the 72nd hole, he used a one iron. Uh, well, Justin Rose used a four iron. Is there really that big of a difference between those clubs other than the number on the bottom? Well, I mean, what what is the ultimate difference? So part of me doesn't really feel that, um, that the number on the bottom of the club means something. Um, and, and I know that there's advantages in equipment and players are, are hitting shots. They're able to hit shots that they – players of yesteryear maybe weren't able to do but this is the evolution of the game and it's a good thing like right now all the players are doing things that tiger used to be able to do when tiger was the only one bryson's doing things that uh, he's maybe the only one who can do there's maybe a handful that can do what he does um and and soon they'll all catch up to that it's just it's the evolution of the game and this a player like bryson pushes greatness and what it leads to is the pga tour we have right now which I think we would all admit is fantastic. We have so many great players, and there's still a variety in styles. So uh, to me, and I know we got to move along here, but but to me, the game's in a great place and the next wave is gonna be a great place as well.
3: I, I wanna I wanna push back real quick. I know we're gonna get to Wolf and, and everybody else, but on the fact that it's a great thing, because I think I think some of the stuff you saw at Wingfoot this week is like, okay, what's great about Wingfoot, Okay. Or, or not even wing foot, but just major championships. You have to hit different shot shapes. You have to, uh, you know, hot, you have to hit it high, you have to hit it low. And I think what we're seeing with guys that are just bombing it as far as possible is a little bit of the elimination of some of the shot shapes that you need to play sort of this beautiful style of golf. It's it, it I just, I don't know, it's different. And I think that, unless you're able to make um, a place like Wingfoot 9,000 yards, 9,500 yards, you're just going to get the elimination of some of the beauty of golf at a place like that in the future. And, again, that's not – you're still going to have great leaderboards because the, be, the the most popular guys are also the longest drivers. And, and it's still going to be exciting because we're going to get JT and DJ and Rom and, and Bryson and, and whatever – I just don't know if that's a path that 15 years from now when we can't go to Marion, we can't go to Wingfoot, we can't go to all these places. You're going to look back and say, wow, I, I wish we hadn't gone down that path so far.
1: You're going to see it next year at Pinehurst and you're going to see at the end of this year at Augusta national, what I didn't like this week. Look, the golf course is tremendous. It was the first time I'd seen all 18 holes and I was so on- good on TV. Um, When you stop creating rough around greens and you're making guys splash out from every left, right, and long lie where it's just a lottery and a glorified bunker shot out of long grass that you're playing, you're going to start to see, because it concerns me more that that element of the game has been taken away. Because if you watch guys playing off the front of these greens, you saw creativity. You Mm -hmm. saw balls on greens, off greens, and stuff. Because I still maintain that a golf course's best defense is slope. You saw that this week. You know, you saw you can get on the wrong side of a slope. You'll see it at Augusta National, and next year at Pinehurst, they can't grow long rough around the greens there. So
3: you're you're pro elimination of rough around greens.
1: Oh, in the biggest way, when you start, yeah, me too, me too, and pitch and hit putters from off the greens and all sort of stuff. I don't care if they hit wedges into every greens. You'll see that happen at Pinehurst, and you'll see par being defended.
3: This is this is the Royal Melbourne argument. This is what we we've talked about over the last. Uh, whatever nine months or years like yep. that that was that it, it does it brings a little bit of that element of shot shaping back into it that that the the equipment and the driver kind of erases so i'm i'm totally on board with that i i think that's a great take
0: All right, we got to put a pin in that, but I'm sure that's a conversation we'll have plenty in the future. I want to talk about some of these other guys in the top five. And, Greg, I want to go to Matthew Wolf here because he enters the final round with a two-shot lead over Bryson D. Chambeau. Did not have his best stuff. He shot a 75, and I kind of mentioned this before we went hot. Um, You know, he missed the club face a bit on a couple of shots like from the middle of the fairway, which these guys don't miss the club face often. I wonder if – the nerves start to get to you a little bit. He's 21 years old. He's in a big spot. Um, not, I mean, so he's still going to have his best finish ever at a major. Obviously, it's only the, what second major he's played, but a great showing for the week. Not necessarily the
2: Sunday he wanted. Look, this uh, Matthew Wolf's round to me kind of signifies what Wingfoot is all about. It is all about what happens around the greens and and into greens. And what I what I learned this week. One thing I learned this week is that. The guys with the highest club head speed, they they make this golf course a second shot golf course. Leading in, I, I was saying this is a first shot golf course. Well, Matthew Wolf today hit seven of fourteen fairways, which was a big improvement on what he did the day before. And you heard this uh, a couple of times at least on air that you uh, had had t- he hit two fairways in um, Saturday's round, and that led to a sixty-five. So what what's the difference? Well he hit more he hit five more fairways but his score was 10 shots worse. How does that how does that happen? Well, it's about control into the greens. It's about yeah. shot making into greens and you see him on 11 in a spot where you would say he has a huge advantage over Bryson. And he kind of maybe a yeah. it a little bit. It was definitely a miss hit of some sort. Paul Azinger said it was high on the face mm-hmm. and he all of a sudden leaves it short and right. And and these kind of shots or shots you still have to be able to make in the heat of the moment. And sometimes being in the fairway and being in the rough doesn't really make that much of a difference. So I almost wonder, I'd love to get your guys thoughts on this. When you're in the rough, you have a, it's almost like a, a built in excuse where it takes <laughs> a little bit of pressure off the precision yeah. it, the your window of, of um, your margin for error, of, for your own acceptance shrinks when you're in the fairway. Because you okay, I have a wedge in the fairway. I should hit this inside ten feet. You hear that on the broadcast all the time. Whereas if you're in the rough, okay, on the greens, okay, and then it ends up, it ends up perfect. You end up getting the ball on the ground using some of those slopes. You can get it pretty close. So I, I don't know. I didn't feel like the fairway was a big advantage, and I think you see that with Wolf in in the difference between Saturday's round and Sunday's round.
3: I thought his issue on Sunday, and I want to get Mark's take on this uh, because I have no idea, but it seemed like it was. I have no idea on most stuff, but it seemed like it was uh, distance control. It seemed like he really struggled. Uh, he lost. Uh, he was like field average on approach shots, by the way, Greg. So not, I mean, not very good considering the fact that he was in the fairway so much more uh, on, on uh, Sunday than Saturday. But Mark, I guess my question is w- whenever you feel pressure, whenever it gets turned up a little bit on a Sunday, does that affect you more in terms of, because it looked like it, it, honestly, a few times it looked like he fatted a couple shots. I don't know if that's, what actually happened. I I wasn't standing right there, but does that affect your distance control more or does it affect you left to right, your dispersion more?
1: It affects everything. And, and, and I saw a nervy looking Matthew Wolf to start the day. I mean, those first few holes Bryson played them great. Matthew looked a little on edge. Um, and, and, and sort of that was essentially the difference. And then you think after he makes the eagle on nine on top of Bryson, well, maybe this is it. And then on 10 there, it was a ludicrous club selection, but you had to keep the ball short of the flag and he makes um, he makes a mistake on that all. But I just want to pivot away there and go, I, I don't know what Tiger's win rate was from the final group, but you know, playing in the final group is a blessing and a curse. And like you watch Marikawa, some young stud, He wasn't in the final group Mm -hmm. because a bunch of pressure in that place and he posted something and essentially won the tournament just a few months ago in a major championship. So to, to, I mean, that just should make us hold Tiger in even more biblical esteem because every time this guy was in the final twosome, he would find a way to close it out because the pressure there is so intense. The margins are just so fine. Um, it's to, to, to build on Greg's point a little bit. It's, You know, in your mind, you're like, I'm in the pole position. It's essentially mine to lose, which it was. He's coming in because he had a two-stroke advantage. So, I mean, that is a mental and emotional place that is so hard to deal with. And and it's a place where coming in there as a 22-year-old or even a 32-year-old. I mean, my brother, the one time he was in, I think it's been a couple times he's been in a final group. When he was in the final group at Augusta National, I've never seen one human being that nervous in my entire life. I mean, he was as white as a sheet on the screen before he went to the first tee. And he managed to survive this. And, and this is with Tiger on his heels and, and Paul Casey and a bunch of blue bloods. So I, I think Matthew Wolfe, nerves got the better of him today. He looked like he was dealing with it fine because he's got that easygoing nature about him. But, but it, it just didn't look convincing. But I feel like. Now he knows what it's like to be in that uncomfortable place. Now he's got something that he, like Bryson, can go and work on and say, man, this is where I was exposed. Because when you're competing somewhere, you just, just – I don't want to say any PGA Tour event, but that's a little different to a major championship. And the, final, the pressure in the final group, that's a big deal. So, so to your question, everything goes wrong, Kyle. And your body feels different.
3: Yeah, that's I, what it looked like.
1: I mean, yeah, I'll tell you – I'll tell you, as an instructor to someone, who, a couple of people have won a major championship. I felt different Yeah. driving range before the time. And I didn't have my hands on the rubber end of the golf club.
3: Well, that's what, it, it just seemed like he was a little bit off. I, I, I do think I just, uh, by the way, a uh, quote from Bryson in, the, in his postgame. He said, they made the fairways too small this week for the guys that were really hitting the fairway. If it's too narrow, length is going to win. If it's too wide, length is going to win. I thought that was interesting, but, and it applies to Wolf a little bit. I think my takeaway with Wolf is this, uh, he was the seventh youngest guy in the field. Uh, there was only six guys younger that I I think we do this thing where we throw all the young guys into a big bucket. Wolf is barely 21. He turned 21 in April during, during quarantine. Like when, when the PGA tour was off, that's different than being 24. That's different than being 25. He's, he's, I mean, if he would have won today, it's him, Tiger, and Spieth that have won majors at 21 uh, since World War II. So I I just – I think we need to think about him a little – not completely separately, but a little bit differently than the rest of the young guys.
1: I I am. um, Do I wish for his sake that he'd pulled it off? Absolutely, because this will sting for a while. Because everyone's like, well, he's going to go and learn some lessons from this. He's going to feel like dog mess from now on for a little while. Because it stings to, to, to not convert, right? But, but yes, the thing, he should be playing in his senior year of college right now, Matthew Wolfe. And he's taking, you know, 100 level classes and then 200 level classes. And you take whatever level class in, in your senior year of school, playing the final group in a major. And that's PhD-level stuff, right? And he's got the game to be there, but it's the other stuff that's the tough part. And once he gets over the disappointment of this, I feel like he'll learn something.
3: This is, real quick, Rick, this is Spieth when Bubba beat him in in 14. He was 20. And he comes back the next year and and wins the Masters. And and I think it's the same type deal. I I think it could go the same way for for Matthew Wolf.
2: Greg, put a bow on Matthew Wolf. Yeah, I, I I think that's a great analogy, Kyle. I don't look at this as... A negative. I don't look at this as things that really went wrong. I think he um, was on a very challenging golf course, and I think it showed. Um, there was a little bit of inconsistency round around, like seventy four Friday, um, and you see what he did on Sunday with the the seventy five. So I look at this. I think there are a couple positive takeaways. Great start on one and two. He he did exactly what he had to do. On, and you could argue that three was great after one uncharacteristically horrible shot. That went way left. That bogey was great, and he he came inches away from answering on four. So he's right. He's right in the mix in that first five holes. If he makes the one on on number four, I think he's in uh, in a great place. And I thought that was the biggest challenge for him to answer. Um, And then he's just got to take advantage of a couple more opportunities. I really I look at him. I think he's going to be okay, and I think he could be a real contender again again in November. And and Mark, you know, he could be playing in college. I think he's playing exactly where he needs to be. Because he was just that good. Uh,
0: let's round out this top five real quick. KP, or actually, KP, you get Harris English. You get Harris English, who unfortunately hits his tee shot on one left of fairway in the rough, and we can't find it. And he kind of clawed his way back into it. Uh, I think he hold out on two or three. Two, yeah, two. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it was a solid week. It was a, it was a solid all around week for Harris English. He's going to post a top five in a major.
3: Yeah, I mean, he 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 flushed it this week. He, you know, to me, this is a little bit the natural culmination of what he's done all year. I mean, we've talked about it before on here, but he's not an, he hasn't won, but it's I think it's been the most consistently good year of his career. And this, not even twelve months after, he didn't even get through Corn Ferry Finals, right? Didn't he go to Corn Ferry Finals and he didn't he didn't make it all the way through? Yeah,
2: he was one forty ninth on the PGA Tour last year,
3: and so to do what he did after that. That's pr- pretty impressive. I mean, I think it's. Just, I think it said first top ten in a major. Um, it's not. I'm not like shocked by it, but it's still impressive to be up there with the Louis, the Xanders, the DJs. I mean, that's 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 big boy stuff.
0: Greg, you get Louis Ustazen. solo third. You get him because he was your sleeper of the week. That was me snoring sleeper <laughs> of the week. Uh, that was great. Thank you. Um, a, a, another major, another top five for Louis. This guy's just solid, shows up, doesn't matter what else is going on. He finds a way.
2: He's one of my favorite players to watch because he, he, he is almost a little sleepy out there. He's so calm and level-headed. And if, if for me, when I go play, I think, if I think that I'm Louis out there, I tend to play pretty well. He just looks so soft over the ball. The swing's a delight to watch. So I really enjoy watching him. And, and that demeanor that he has is great for majors. He doesn't get rattled by having a 12-footer for par. He always seems to give those a good run. He struggled on the greens a little bit with his speed today. He had a couple of three putts that really kind of took some momentum away. But on a really difficult day, he, st- he stood up and, and hit some great shots. I was a little surprised that he, he lacked speed control. Like, the one on 10 was, I mean, he uh, uh, he hit it on a heartbeat or something because it just went <laughs> racing by on a really slow putt. Um, but, man, he's so fun to watch, and um, he, he's the kind of guy you want to pick in every major because his game just seems to be built for him. Yep.
0: Eighth career top 10 finish in a major championship. He is a staple there. And, Mark, you get Xander – Shoffley, who Phil Mickelson described as the most underrated player on tour in a tweet earlier on Sunday. His T6, let me make sure I get this right, his, no, 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 apologies, solo he fifth. finished fifth, solo fifth, so now his T6 is still his worst career finish at the U.S. Open, Mark, that's, it's unfathomable.
1: I'm going to borrow Greg's observation. Speaking of someone you want to pick in major championships. I mean, this is, this should be the ultimate guy. Yeah. Uh, He made a quote and I don't have the quote, but it went something to the effect of, and it was after Saturday, which was a tough day. And he was out there in the afternoon when the greens were bumpy and crusty and fast and dangerous and just downright scary. And he was like, it's the kind of thing where you get beaten down and really you've got to be kind of crazy to love it, but I love doing this sort of stuff and I'm going to get some rest and, and laugh about it a little bit and then I'll go out there tomorrow and get my brains beaten in, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> and and that's, what, that's what golf is at its core, but that's essentially and especially what golf at the major championship level is. Like you go to an open championship, you know, when you get a wind blowing in 40 across you into like a driving rain that's stinging you, You know, you're hating it at the time, but afterwards it's exhilarating. And and, and Xander seems to have that sort of a mindset to deal with it and just keep himself alive. And and I have to give some props to that guy because he was a part of the story. He has a quick start and then makes four bogeys in a row, which was sort of hard to fathom really for Xander and who he is. But then he just closes with a birdie on one of the hardest holes in championship golf, if not the hardest closing hole in championship golf. And that just speaks to his ability to forget. And because he he just stays exactly where he is, I mean, I think this guy has got... If he stays injury-free, he's got big stuff in front of him. Mark, what did you think of his
2: short game? Did you know that his short game was was that good? Because, I mean, he hit some unbelievable shots.
1: He has got beautiful hands. You know, everyone knows him for that beautiful sort of easy pass that he possesses and he moves the ball out there tumbling and it goes a longish way but around the greens he's got soft hands and and he's got that sense for maybe the moment you know when someone has to make a putt Xander's one of those kind of guys is going to get up and make that putt for you so the touch around the greens is sublime and, and then the the sense to make a putt when it means something is also immeasurable
3: uh, real quick, uh, Xander lost strokes to the field off the tee. So to, to both of y'all's point, his around the green work was, was unbelievable. Uh, the other thing I wanted to point out about strokes gained, DJ, 2.8 strokes gained per round, uh, and he finished T6 along with Will Zalatoros. Bryson doubled that number, 5.6. That's insane. Let's
0: talk about that leaderboard real quick, and we'll talk about Will for a second. This top 10 included Bryson D. DeChambeau, Xander Shoffley, Dustin Johnson, Tony Finau, Justin Thomas, Webb Simpson, Rory McIlroy, and this name that you mentioned, Kyle, Will Zalatoris, who, if you're not paying attention, has been pretty much dominating the Corn Fairy Tour. KP, I think I said he's the odds-on favorite to be the, the PGA Tour Rookie of the Year the second he, he, he's on it, and we're seeing the same trajectory. I mean, remember, Sung J M was like your, uh, your Corn Ferry Tour player of the year. Scotty mm-hmm. Scheffler, you see what those guys are doing on the PGA Tour. It feels like we're going to get the same level of success from this kid.
3: Yeah, I, it does. And, and I, I shouted out him and uh, I think it was Davis Riley last week just talking about their success on the Corn Ferry Tour. And you look at, you know, Data Golf has Zalatoris. It kind of does like a, a world rankings outside of um, – it, it does its own world rankings outside of the OWGR it has Al Torres as a top 50 guy. And to your point, that that's exactly what a Scotty Scheffler eventually was. That's, exa- that's exactly what a Sung J.M. eventually was. So I think you're going to see – I mean, look, Will's Al Torres on the Corn Prairie Tour is just better than – a Scott Stallings, sorry, Scott Stallings, <laughs> a Jason Kokrak, these guys that are, that are on the – maybe not Jason Kokrak. Jason Kokrak's pretty good and has, has had some good finishes. But it's just it, – it seems like there should be a way to get him onto the PGA Tour and, and start playing in those tournaments. And part of that is obviously COVID-related, but it's unfortunate because whenever he does get out there, he's going to be – I don't know if he'll be a star, but he'll, be, he'll find a lot of success. Uh,
1: just quickly to Will Zalatoris, there's a guy called Scott Fawcett who uh, developed the decade system of course management. And, and he is basically Will's kind of big brother coach, if you will. And, and he guided Will to his first victory. I think it was like in the Texas State Amateur or whatever. And he said to me, Scott, this is, he goes, I watched Will hit the ball great. And he just would blow up scores because of stupid decisions. So he carried for Will in this tournament And Will just dusted the field. And all Scott said to him was like, you need to hit the ball here. You need to hit the ball over there. So he taught him the value of proper course assessment and then course management and then sticking to the plan. And this has now evolved. So you can see why uh, Zalatoris, you know, would play a golf course like this so well because he knows how to play the thing and he sticks to the plan. And so, you know, with with that being said, given the physical gifts and the smarts about him, you you know, I think the future is pretty bright.
2: I think it speaks to um, the, what, what we've all talked about before how important recent form is. When you look at what he did this year on the Corn Ferry Tour, yeah. it's ridiculous. I mean, it was 11 straight top 20s. He didn't miss a cut. His worst finish was like tied 32nd or something with a win in there. So, I mean, the guy's clearly playing really well and in really good form. And, and it, it speaks to the, um, the level of ability that is on the Corn Ferry Tour. And, and so there's just so many good players that come out of there. It means you're competing against them week to week. So when you have that kind of record on the corn Ferry tour and you see what song Jay did, you see what Scotty Scheffler did. It, it makes you believe that you can do it too. And I think Will's going to, uh, have, a, have a great week next week at Corrales.
0: He might be the odds-on favorite. We'll talk about that on Monday. Um, Shout-out to John Pock. He was your low amateur, the only am to make the cut. Davis Thompson briefly held the lead on Thursday. Shout-out to those ams. Gentlemen, we're going to talk about Masters. Yeah, little, little a early, little early Masters Ooh. chat, and we'll go through our odds and ends, one and done, and matchups. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. The November Masters might look a bit different. It might play a bit different. But, uh, you know, the betting board doesn't look all that different. Rory McIlroy, 8-1 to one to win this golf tournament. Bryson DeChambeau has been bet down and moved to 10-1 to one, along with Dustin Johnson. Mark, uh, I won't necessarily ask you for a, a betting lean if you have one, but I think the big question is this. Is Bryson just going to driver wedge Augusta to death?
1: I would expect so. He's done it. <laughs> you know, he did it in Detroit. He, he's, he's, there, there was one place where almost incomprehensibly, um, I believe it was at the BMW at Olympia Fields, another great golf course designed by, you know, one of the golden age uh, architects where he was laying up off tees a bunch, which was surprising. Yeah. So is he going to go after Augusta national? Yeah, I would expect so, but I'll tell you this much living in Georgia, all of a sudden yesterday, Someone switched off the heat. It was like in the low 70s today. The wind was blowing like it does. The wind starts flipping out of the north. The golf course starts get, the golf courses and the grass start getting a little brownish look about them. This place is going to be so good by the time November rolls around because we get less rain. Um, obviously, we got blitzed by Hurricane Sally a little while ago, but it's going to dry out pretty fast with some cooler temperatures and a northerly wind. Augusta National is going to do just fine defending whoever comes and plays in that play.
0: I know we are, what, eight weeks out from Augusta, but just like looking at this field, I mean, all of these guys, Rory, Bryson, Dustin, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Brooks, uh, is Brooks going to play? Who knows? Tiger, Morakow. I mean, like Xander, I could could make a case for almost every single one of these guys, Greg. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do.
2: It, it's so early to make a case. It's hard not to say, well, oh, Bryson right now. But who knows where his form is going to be. I mean, look what happened to, um, to Rory. Rory couldn't finish outside the top five. Takes a couple months off. Uh, not his choice. And all of a sudden, he, he struggles with his game a little bit. So a lot can happen in a period of time of, what is it, about eight weeks or so? Um, so there's there's a long way to go. But the guys I think you're looking at are – These heavy hitters, the Brysons, DJs still got to be in great form. You can't forget about John Rahm. These guys all have pretty good records here at Augusta too. It's why we always see great leaderboards. So I'm extremely excited. Um, And I'm thinking that Bryson, the way that he putts, it's really underrated. Um, And I think he's going to be kind of hard to beat. But I'm interested to get your thoughts. Um, I know this is a second shot golf course. That seems to be the weakness in Bryson's game. Does that give anybody
3: concern or or no? I mean, not when he's got sandwich into every hole. <laughs> uh, I mean, Rom is for sure going to win, but for sure <laughs> yeah, for you, sure..
1: Okay, let's revisit that tweet. From about 36 hours ago, Shall we
3: go I, I I really thought he was going to have a great weekend. I mean, silly me thinking that Rom, who destroyed at Muirfield Village and Olympia Fields, would be great at a at a difficult golf course over the weekend. I I think that I think it's going to be fascinating to see where Bryson ends up on two, on nine, mm-hmm. on fifteen. Some of these some of these holes where you can draw draw it off the tee and just let it run for. I mean, he had some drives on Sunday at. Uh, at Wingfoot, that were just these just s- huge draws that just ran out forever, and you see that at Augusta, it's going to be unreal. Some of the clubs that he has into to the holes there. I can't wait to I- see
0: ten. I, yeah, I think what's yeah. fascinating is Augusta is so well known and we get to see it every year that we might see lines never taken before or like it's, you know, it's, it's one thing to go to Wingfoot every 14 years. Mark is waving me off. It's one thing to go to Wingfoot every 14 years, <laughs> but it's another when you get to see Augusta every single year. Mark, tell me I'm wrong. Well, in a way, yes.
1: <laughs> let's, let's not forget that at both Olympia Fields and at Wingfoot they're bent grass fairways. So you're basically hitting the ball down a firm green when it gets windy over there. We've got ryegrass at Augusta, and they mow the grain into you. Now, that'll slow the ball down a little bit. Uh, Granted, they'll be hitting on downhills. But we've seen Bubba on 13 take a line over the trees there. That, You know, uh, when he first hit it, I was on the amen corner coverage. I nearly said something. and was like, whoa, he's in trouble. But the thing covered everything, and he had wedge into the green. So there'll be situations where Bryson will have the same. But that place has got nuance about it. And to Greg's point, you've got to be able to hit balls in the right spot over there. We know Bryson can putt well. I've seen the lag putting skill really improve. But you've got to control distance into the green. So, you know, is it a foregone conclusion? Not in the slightest. I think the examination will be different because all of the guys that have played there often have played there in April. This is a different golf course in uh, November just because of the atmospheric conditions.
3: So two things. One, I not positive that bubble line was purposeful. I think, the, I think the, uh, I think the Bryson line that will be similar will be purposeful or more so. Uh, and then two, I loved Mark's point earlier about um, about distance like the runoff behind and, and kind of off the sides of, of those greens, Cause it's a different, you know, Phil said this on it when he tweeted it or yeah, he tweeted it out on Sunday. He said, the thing about Wingfoot is that when you're in the rough there's there's these openings into the holes there where you can kind of run it up and some of them have false fronts so it's come it comes back a little bit but he he kind of said that that's something that people should be talking more about I guess it's going to be different than that because if you run it up and you run it too far then all of a sudden you're 40 yards over the back right on on some of the holes there so I think I think that aspect it it, it you're going to have to hit Different shots than maybe you did um, at Wingfoot. Now you don't have the rough to contend with as much, right? Like you did at Wingfoot. But it, it's—I don't—it's going to be, I think, definitely a little bit different than we saw uh, how it played at Wingfoot.
0: In full disclosure, I'm already holding a Justin Thomas ticket at twenty to one. He's down to twelve. Thumbs up for me. And a Jord- uh, Justin Rose ticket at forty. He's down to twenty-eight. Two thumbs up for me. Those definitely won't.
3: Out. I I, Ro, I don't love Rose right now. Neither he's, do I. But twenty-eight. 28. Uh, okay, who plays great in October, November?
1: Rory, Justin Thomas, Reggie Justin, Jackson,
0: and Derek Jeter.
1: J-
3: <laughs> <laughs> Craig Council, uh, <laughs> Justin Thomas, John Rom. John Rom kills on the European tour in like from October to December. I mean, he's he's awesome.
1: It's true. Some of the won a few of those big to Dubai the Trophies. They, they all, they, everyone plays well at
3: that time. Yeah, I'm just trying to make the case for for Rom winning Augusta.
1: You know who picks for well sure.
0: every week, Mark Not Immelman. Me. Mark Immelman goes five and three in our matchup challenge and takes the belt once again.
1: Mark, golf clap, congratulations. Thanks, man. I, I, I was trying to remember who I had picked, and I wish I could have been on the pod with you guys. And then when the thing started off on Thursday, I nearly made the Carl Porter mistake because I looked at my picks in the text to producer Jacob, and these guys were all sucking early. And I was ah, like, oh, here we go. And then I reminded myself, hold on, there's another 68-odd holes to go. <laughs> and a lot of these guys, honestly, my picks came through today. They, they, they waited till the final post to accelerate some. Doesn't matter when they get there, as long as they get
0: there. One and done. Mark and Greg both had Xander earning 484000 Greg, kudos. You have. Uh, you said you were going to play Xander for like 12 straight months at at the U.S. Open. <laughs> and, and here we are, and you banked 484000 for it. Congrats,
2: my dude. Yep, uh, that, that was a good one. It's nice when it holds true, because it almost never happens. Just ask Kyle.
1: Exact, hey, okay. Greg, Greg, have you figured out my strategy? Just yet. I'm gonna make the same pick as you for every event until the last three and see how I do.
3: <laughs> Hey, can we pull the can we pull the footage of me saying JT is gonna shoot sixty five at TPC Southwind on Sunday to win? You almost
0: shot a sixty four and ruined
1: the whole thing. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just to remind ourselves that I do get one ride every once in a while. Yep footage of you saying that he's going to win how many events before 20 whatever it is i mean still wait, on
3: still wait. on pace still 25.
1: on p- 25
3: you gotta update the card i want to see the card again i want it up I, I packed it we're moving this week so it's packed away but i'll bring it back after the move good for all right
2: you. gentlemen
0: uh be sure to follow us at first cut pod on instagram and twitter on youtube it is youtube.com slash first podcast. I want to thank Greg Ducharme. You can find him at the real GFD. Greg, would you like to leave us with any final parting words for US
2: Open week? Uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for supporting us, listening and watching. However you do it, um, it's awesome. Great time catching up with talking about all this with you guys
0: kyle porter who you can get at kyle porter cbs kp what do you got
3: Uh, i just i i hope we gave bryson enough credit because he 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 did it he earned it uh it was big time and uh he's a u.s open champ
0: mark Immelman at mark underscore
1: Immelman. mark stage is yours well done usga You, you know that it was a fantastic setup every player that i heard spoke about how fair it was how good the setup was and the USJ sort of lacked brass and had taken some heat for a little while, and, and they did everything right this week, and, and they got the leaderboard that they deserved, so good job there. And you can
0: find me at Rick Run Good, and I would have paid $99 for a live look into Brooks Kepka as Sunday <laughs> afternoon was going on. <laughs> He's going to say he wasn't watching, but we know he was, all right? Yeah. Keep, keep that in mind. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time.